0: You are listening to Message Rewind from Discovery Church. So glad that you guys are hanging out with us. Again, I just, it's so amazing, right? Like, um, welcome online, but uh, it's just amazing to be in the house. It's amazing to uh, to, to be able to look at you guys and, and not just address the camera. And um, th- for those of you that slipped in late, um, we... Uh, I had mentioned that February 5th, uh, SCOTUS, um, he lifted the ban for churches to meet. And so, um, so here we are. We're, we're meeting, and um, we're going to try to be as cautious as possible while still being able to establish corporate worship and, and everything. And so it's kind of my message today is just because this is kind of a big deal today to me. Um, I mean, we've been through so many iterations of church. Since two thousand, uh, uh, since March of uh, two thousand and twenty, wow. we've done outside, we've done indoors, we've done uh, in front of phones, preaching and recording worship and trying to find. It's been crazy, y'all. And so the fact that we are able to to just come here and to worship, I think it's, it's a it's a big it's a big deal. So uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn me to Nehemiah chapter one, Nehemiah chapter one. And and I guess I preface all that to say. Um, for the past almost year, I've just been preaching like this, okay? So I got to get back into the, the routine of, of, of having people where I can look around. And so just bear with me. I'll break out of the mold eventually. Um, and so, uh, so Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 1 through 4, um, it says this. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men. Who had just arrived from Judah. I asked him about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about things, uh, and about how things were going in Jerusalem. And and so, uh, a bit of a recap uh, God's people, Israel, they were under the reign of, uh, they they were captured under the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, of, of the Babylonian Empire. And they were there for seventy years, enslaved. And then all of a sudden, the Persian Empire came, and they overtook uh, the um, they overtook uh, the the Babylonian Empire. And um, and so, my son, yeah, we're gonna take him out. You're excused. You're gone. Go. Bye. <laughs> Just kidding. We love you. Bye. Um, what was I saying? So Nebuchadnezzar overtook, um, overtook Israel. Then King Cyrus of Persia overtook Babylon. And King Cyrus was like, hey, it, like, I want you to go back to the place where you came from. And so he sends him away. And uh, could, we, could we turn that down just a bit? The Thank you. I, it's, it's like artifacts for me. And so that's what's going on. Uh, Verse 3, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Verse 4, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. How many of you guys this morning have wept and prayed for your city this past year? My God. And so uh, I don't have a title for this message, but we're just going to jump into it. And so let's pray one more time. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your faithfulness to us. God, I thank you for your love. God, I thank you for your grace, for your mercies that are new every morning, God. I pray right now, Father, that you would just speak through me. God, I feel like this is a brand new thing. And uh, God, I, just, I pray that you would just uh, move Through this message, Holy Spirit, that you would um, that that you know what people need to hear, you know what they're dealing with, you know what the the hardships are, and so God, I pray that you would um, that you would just help uh, to to deliver this word, this seed. Jesus, you said, and so Father, right now, I just pray that you would just. Uh, Soften our heart to receive what you have to say. God, we don't want to leave here the same way we came in. We want to leave here different. God, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. We love you so much. Come on, and everyone said. Amen. 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 Hey, so again, just because we don't have a live audience doesn't mean you gotta be quiet. So I still encourage you to engage. I, we, still want, we still want the online community to be able to hear us, hear us having church. And so, um, so yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. Um, so Sam, the one that was escorted out by security, um, <laughs> he, he recently got into Legos. Like, he likes Legos, and, uh, which is kind of a cute thing, right? Like, you're like, oh, i so cute. It's, but it's not really um, because, because Sam – what he does is he'll build towers really tall, and he'll want to show us, and so he'll carry it to us. He'll walk over. He'll carry it to us, and then as he carries it, pfft, it falls over. <laughs> and let me tell you, he gets frustrated. Yeah. He gets, like, he's like, ah, ah, like, he, like, throws fits. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, he throws fits that his tower broke, and, like, the good daddy that I am, when it happens, I'm like, oh, Sammy, it's okay, buddy, you can. It's okay, just pick it back up. Just take the top and put it right back. You can do it. And like I'm trying to cheer him on. I'm trying to encourage him like, hey, you can do it, buddy. Come on, rebuild it. And he, and, and, uh, and he just he's just screaming and he's throwing a fit. And uh, what, what I realized is that no matter how long, Or, how no matter how much I try to encourage Sammy to rebuild what he built, until he decides to actually put uh, action into the rebuilding process, it just stays there. Like, I could encourage him all I want, and I could just say, Come on, Sammy, you can do it, you can do it, come on, build it, and until I'm blue in the face. But until he's ready to actually pick it up and put it together, that statue, that building that he built will never look the same. And here is why I'm telling you this. is because last week my message was God is in the business of restoration. This idea to have expectation of restoration. That that God is in the business of building uh, to to of restoring things that were were, we're taken, and and so like we're watching it at home and, and and we I saw like little hearts flying up on Facebook and little hey, like I saw one angry face <laughs> like I don't I don't know if you're here but if <laughs> why um, and then so but but and my wife I'm sitting next to my wife and she's like mm, that's good that's good and I'm like watching it I'm like oh that's good. And, uh, and I'm sitting there watching this, this, this idea because I'm trying to build this, this case, man, that God wants to restore what the enemy's taken. Yeah. But what I realized is, what I may not have been clear enough in is, is this idea that restoration is a partnership between you and God. Yeah. And so, as much as God wants to restore, what the enemy has taken from you It's a partnership between you and God. In other words, I, I can say it this way, in, in, in other words, that um, when, when I'm wanting God to restore something in my life, it goes beyond me saying, God, I need this restored. And then I go to the corner, sit my little virgin pina colada and wait for God to snap his finger to restore it. Like there is a partnership to play with the restoration of what God is wanting to do. There's a, it's, it's a partnership. This is what James talks about in James chapter 2. He says, faith without works is dead. Yeah. And not necessarily the faith of, the faith in Jesus, but just like the faith that you have in something coming to pass. Like you have to put work in it. And, and it doesn't come free. Thank you, Richard, for shouting me down, ma'am. <laughs> and so there's a partnership. God wants to restore, but there's a partnership. There's a part that you and I both play in this. And here's what I realized, is that we love the idea that God restores. We're not too hot on the idea that it's a partnership. But we see this all throughout the scripture. That, that, that whatever God is restoring, He looks for somebody to rebuild. Right? We, we look at that through Noah. God wanted to restore humanity. Man, man, was, we're going crazy. And God was like, hey, I want to restore this relationship. And so what, what did He do? Like, He could have just snapped a finger, but He called this guy Noah. And He called Noah to build something. Because Noah and his family were going to be the the legacy of what God was doing. They were going to be the 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 the, the new that God was doing and, and he called Noah to partner with him to build that art. Last last week, I was gonna say last year, last week we looked at David. And and he he and his men, they got to the campground and um and, and they got to it and it was it was completely destroyed. And God told David, he's like, David, I will restore what was stolen. Praise God. But God was like, but you got to pursue him. Like, you got to put in the work. It's a partnership. Like, whatever God is wanting to restore, like, he partners with you. We look at probably the biggest, the biggest example with Jesus. God was like, I want to restore humanity. I want to restore a relationship between man and me. And he could have done it by himself, but rather he sent his son Jesus to come and to rebuild and to build up. Listen, it's a partnership. There is a partnership. God's ready to restore. The question is, are we ready to rebuild? Whatever it is you're believing God to restore, like God's ready and willing to restore. Are you ready to rebuild? And so we actually see this in the verse that we opened up with in Nehemiah, right? Just a quick recap is, is Nehemiah, he's working for the king. So he has like this amazing job working for the king and, uh, and he's working for the king. But his brother comes and is like, hey, Nehemiah, our town is, is destroyed. And so Nehemiah's heart is grieved. He, he's sad about this. And, and so he, he goes and he, he continues his job with the king, and the king notices that Nehemiah is a bit sad. And the king uh, is like, Nehemiah, what is the matter? Are you okay? And, and Nehemiah is like, no. He tells the king, what's the, what's the matter? And, and Nehemiah is like, hey, king, can I go back there to help rebuild? And the king says, yes, okay? And so what I want us to do uh, is I want to, for our next few moments together, what time is it? yeah, for our next few moments together, I, I want us uh, – to identify four things that Nehemiah shows us, four building tactics that Nehemiah shows us. Um, and uh, yeah, cool? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so uh, number one, the first building tactic is this, is uh, Nehemiah elevated call over comfort. He, he elevated call over comfort. Here it is, Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 5. I replied, "I being Nehemiah. If it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, uh, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried." So Nehemiah, he's going, he's going to the king, and he's like, "Hey, will you please let me rebuild this city? Please, please." Now, if I'm the king, I'm thinking like, "Why would you want to do that?" Right? Like, he he may not he may be a servant to the king, but he. Probably has it pretty good. He has a post little position that that he's, and, and he's like, King, I want to leave what I'm comfortable with, and I want to go help to rebuild something. Like if I'm the king, I'm thinking that's crazy, Nehemiah. Don't you know that it's gonna be harder there? Don't you know that don't you know that like this is like this is as good as it gets right here working for me? If I'm the king, I'm thinking, why why would you do that? But it's this idea that Nehemiah was willing to leave the comfort because of his calling. To leave the comfort because of his calling. And this is important because your call will always require you to step further than the threshold of your pain of your comfort level. You, whatever God has called you to rebuild, whatever God has called you to restore, it will always it will always cost you more than what your threshold of comfort will allow. Because at the end of the day we're having to step out and go to that next place. I call this the fight. Or I call this This idea of um, the facade of familiarity, the facade of familiarity, this idea that uh, familiarity breeds comfort, doesn't it? Like when I'm when I'm familiar with a situation, even if it's not the best for me, just because I'm familiar with it, I'm like, yeah, this is this is I'm comfortable right here. But here's what. I want to say about comfort is that familiarity breeds comfort but comfort will suffocate your calling. Comfort will suffocate your calling. Whatever God has called you to do, if you're not willing to if I'm not willing to step out of my comfort zone, my calling can become suffocated. It can die. And so I have to be willing to, to say, hey, if God, if you called me to this, then I'm okay with stepping out of what I'm comfortable with. God, if you called me to restore this, then I'm okay with stepping out and doing it. Nehemiah, he, he left his comfortable space and he was, he was willing to go rebuild the, the walls because that's what he was called to do. I have to be willing to elevate my call over comfort. We find ourselves there today. Guys, can I say like there's it's so comfortable church at home. Hey, should I I shouldn't have gone there, huh? It's it's so comfortable. I love it. But if God's called us to rebuild, like, am I willing to, to move past what I'm comfortable with in order to, to fulfill what God's called us to? Now, I'm specifically speaking about the church right now because I know for a fact that God's called this church to reach this city. And so is that calling greater than my comfort level of, 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 of whatever that is? Okay, we'll stop. Uh, number two, so we're looking at uh, we're looking at uh, th- four building tactics. The th- second one is this: understanding favor reproduces favor. Favor reproduces favor. I love that word favor. Favor reproduces favor. Nehemiah chapter two verse seventeen and eighteen. Uh, but now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in in Jerusalem. We are in in Jerusalem lies. What you know very well. I'm gonna read it from here. You can we start from the beginning, Josh, please. <laughs> but now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Period. Jerus—that's I, see, I didn't have the period on my notes. <laughs> Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then verse 18, then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall so they begin the good work. Here's what I want to point out. Verse 17 is very interesting to me because in verse 17, Nehemiah is laying out the problem that they're trying to address. Nehemiah in verse 17 is like, hey, we... The, our town is, is destroyed. The walls are broken up. They're burned down. But notice verse 18 there is no uh there, there, there is no hooping, hollering, cheering on Nehemiah from the people that he's talking to. And I'm reading this and I'm like, man, if there was an if there was a time where where I want people to cheer, is when I'm like, we're taking over the city. We're rebuilding. Ah. It's like, insert cheer here, right? Like that's, like if there was a moment to cheer for people to buy in, like to me when I'm reading this, I'm thinking that's the place. But it's not. That's verse 17. Verse 18, Nehemiah, I don't know if he noticed this or not, but Nehemiah then says, he says, uh, He says, then I told them about how gracious, how the gracious hand of God has been on me. And then they responded, let's rebuild the city. They did not respond to Nehemiah's plea and and purpose of what they're doing. They responded to the idea, hey, God is in this. Favor reproduces favor. When uh, when Nehemiah identified the fact that God was in this, people bought in. Which tells me that I have to have that Romans 8.31 mindset. That if God is for me, who can be against me? That I have to get to that place where, where I'm like, man, if God, as long as God is with me in this journey, people will follow. Yeah, this has always been the case for me in this church. Because I understand the big vision, the big mission that God is. Like, guys, if I only told you if a smidge of what I see in my spirit about this church, you would be like, that's crazy. So I don't tell you. I just let you know that I love Jesus and I believe that as I continue to love Jesus, people will see favor reproduces favor. Like we have to get to that place just individually where we are more concerned with the favor that God is showing us than the favor we're seeking from men. I need to be more concerned with the favor that God is showing me than your opinion. And I love you. Wow. Wow. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Favor reproduces favor. Number three, and then we're done. No, nope. number four, then we're done. But we're on number three. I told you, it's been like a couple weeks. I'm just I'm getting all this rest off. Uh, So number three, refusal to redefine redefine the finish line. Refusal to redefine the finish line. Four building tactics. Verse 7 of chapter 4 of Nehemiah. But when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites, and Ashadites heard that that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. Watch this verse 8. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem, and watch this, and throw them into confusion. They were building something, but they had an enemy that was trying to throw them into confusion. Listen, God-ordained vision will always result in enemy opposition. God-ordained vision will always lead to enemy opposition. And here's the crazy part, is is like it's very easy to think like, oh, the, the way that this is gonna happen is the devil's gonna try to kill me. And We know that the enemy came to kill, still, and destroy him. But can I propose to you this morning that that the, the enemy he don't have to kill you? All he has to do is get you to, to redefine the endpoint. Like he don't have to kill you to 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 remove you from the call that God's had over your life. He just has to have you redefine what that is. He just has to get you. He's like, if I can get them to just focus on the crappiest of now. If I can get them to just focus on, like, what is going on right now. They're, they're not going to worry about reaching the call that I placed over them. They're going to be so, so wrapped up with what's going on right here. This will just keep them occupied. And so I have to refuse to redefine the finish line. I, my emotions can't set the finish line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife can't set my finish line. Yeah, yeah. My, my COVID-19 scare can't redefine my finish line. Hello. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, my finish line. Like, I have to refuse to let the now redefine my finish Sambalat, Tobiah, that's what they tried to do. Nehemiah was here. They came. Nehemiah was trying to rebuild the wall. And Sanbalette, Tobiah, they came and they're like, hey, let's throw, let's throw them into confusion. Like, if we can distract them, then they won't want to finish the wall. Let's distract them. Let's confuse him. I have to refuse to re- redefine the finish line. Last one, number four is I need to have a mindset of whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. It was, what, 2015? 2000, yeah. Second year of our church, that was our motto. Whatever it takes, we'll do whatever it takes. We'll do whatever it takes. Short of sin, we'll do whatever it takes. Like, whatever it takes to get people in this house. And it's not about discovery, right? Like, it's never been about discovery. It's never been about, like... Let's get people in, in discovery just so we can be like, oh, we're big. Ugh. It's always been because we feel like what we have here in this culture of, of saying, hey, come as you are, but expect God to change who you are. Like, there's something here, guys. There's something here that, that, that God has, has, has placed over this church, over this ministry. But we got to have that mindset of whatever it takes. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 15. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, rows. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. You like that? Because there's everyone had a different... A different role. But they were all necessary. Yeah. They were all needed. Yeah. Yeah. But from then on, oh, I read that part. Verse 17, the leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. Watch this. The laborers, the workers, carried on with their work with one hand supporting their hammer, their load, and one hand holding a weapon, a sword. And so these guys, they're, they're working. They're, they're trying to rebuild this wall that, that Nehemiah has gathered everyone to rebuild. In one hand, they have the hammer, and so they're working. But in the other hand, they had a sword because they were ready to fight. I'm reading this, and I'm like, man, they have double duty. Like the moment that they had to carry a sword and carry a hammer was the moment Nehemiah was expecting double the work. Which tells me that the only people that were carrying a sword and a hammer were the people who like, hey, Nehemiah, I got you, whatever it takes. The people that were willing to build but also fight, they're like, hey, whatever it takes, Nehemiah. Let me rephrase that, whatever it takes, God. <laughs> the, the hammer and the sword. The hammer and the sword. Like, we have to get to this place. If we are going to rebuild whatever it is that you are believing God to rebuild, I'm specifically talking about rebuilding this church, we have to have people, men and women, who are like, hey, I will carry my sword and I will carry my hammer and I will do whatever <laughs> it takes so that the calling that God has over this, over, over this church will come to pass. Am I willing to bear a sword and to bear a hammer? These people, they bought in, whatever it takes. What I love is, just shout out to my team. Since Since March of 2015, my team, they had, your directional team, they had an opportunity to just like, Lock themselves away and hide, and but they were like John. Let's do it. Let's try our best. And and we, I mean, we everyone could always. We can. Oh, I can always do better. But let me tell you something, man. We worked hard to try to make sure that people felt loved and felt connected. We tried hard. We they we had people that were willing to. They were willing to drive around on Easter and Christmas, all over with. Petaluma, Santa Rosa, Roner Park to drop off little gifts. Why? Because they're like, hey, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Like if this, if if me driving to this house to drop off a box of cookies shows you that I love you, whatever it takes. And that's what they did. Josh back there, he, from the very beginning, he didn't know how, what, like, what it is to like live stream. I was like, Josh, can you figure this out? He's like, I don't know how to do it, but I'll do it. I'll figure it out. Whatever it takes. I love you, Josh. Yeah. He's like, he's like, whatever it takes. Whenever the worship, whenever we started doing worship, the worship band, I was like, hey, will you guys be willing to, to come into worship? They're like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And it, it, this is idea like that that, that there's these, this group of people that are willing to say, hey, I'm going to grab my sword. I'm going to grab my hammer. We're going to charge hell with a water pistol because God's called this church to reach this city, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I love it. And so the question is, are you ready and willing to rebuild. Whatever it is personally, but also corporately. Are you ready to rebuild? Are you ready to step into the next phase of what God has for us? I mean, let's just be honest. Like, he knew this was going to happen. He knew that, that we we're going to be here for two months and then we we're going to have to leave. But I'll tell you what. Though we weren't able to meet here on Sundays all the time, we had a place where we can gather. Yeah. We had a place where we can meet. Yeah. Yeah. We met outside when we had to. We, we bribed people with popsicles to come to see. Like <laughs> we... <laughs> 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 Whatever it takes. Amen. Whatever it takes. Yeah. See, I think it's very easy to forget why we do this. I think it's very easy to... To, to forget why, why we gather. We can get lost in the minutia of, of, of things. We can get lost in this idea, here's just another Sunday. I'm just coming to be fed and then leave. It's more than that. It's more than that. It's more. It, and, and, and so I constantly have to remind myself in moments so that I don't redefine the finish line. I have to, I have to continuously remind myself that, that, that God, uh, of, of the call that God has over this, over this church. I say this all the time. Like we shouldn't even be here. Like the mortality rate of church plants, 87%. 87% of churches that start don't make it to year five. That is a phenomenal stat. And yet, we made it to year five. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're like, all right, God, what's next? Yeah. Yeah. And then we came. He opened up this door. And we're building. And, and we're trying our best to, like, to get it done. And then uh, March 15th happened. Yeah. And I had, to, I had to choose, am I going to let now redefine my finish line? And we just kept we just kept going, and we didn't we, and again, because I've said it already, February fifth, it's a big deal that ruling. It's a big deal. And so we had I had talked with my team. The third February uh, beginning of February, and I was like, guys. We're going to. We're gonna relaunch. Let's have this mindset of relaunching. We're only six-ish, seven years in, <laughs> and uh, and um, I, my mind. Um, we're we're only seven years in into this thing, right? So we like we still have church planners veins. We still have church planning in our in our blood, in our DNA. And I and I said to my team, I was like, hey, let's let's rebuild. Let's relaunch. And so this was before the ruling on February that came in February 5th. But I, I said, guys, here, here's my heart. It's like, let's relaunch, let's reopen April, uh, Easter 2021. And they're like, Yeah, yeah, I guess. Like we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're just like, Yeah, that sounds good, cool. Let's, let's do it. And so our plan was our, our, to have our live studio audience and to just begin to build that up. And then we ended that meeting on that Wednesday. And then on Friday, I texted and I was like, hey, like we can meet now. And so I share all this because I want you to know like we, like we plan on reopening officially on Easter 2021. Like that's, we want that to be our, our relaunch date but here's the deal. We have from February and March to rebuild. We need to rebuild teams. We need we need kids workers, we need worship people, we need production people. We we need greeters, we need next step people, we need hosts. I'm talking to online cuz there's only a few people in here this morning. And and so so I'm I'm charging you, help me rebuild. Let's let's begin to rebuild our launch team. And, 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 and so for those that are watching online, like maybe even in here, you're like, man, John, that's kind of irresponsible, right? Because the narrative is if you're pro-church, you're anti-community. And I understand the sentiment behind that. But can I say that, man, if I'm pro-church, that means I'm pro-community. Because there's something that a church can offer that no one else can There's hope that a church can bring that no other place can, and so I just want to read a couple, a couple people's stories, just to kind of refresh why we're doing what we're doing, just to encourage you to remind you, like we're not doing this just to grow something. We're doing this because people need it. Check this out. This is from uh, Mariah. She said this: "I begin my journey." With disco in the beginning of the spring of 2019. I had just gotten into a relationship and was going to church with him and his mother. I was quite nervous because it had been so long since going to church. In the past, I dealt with a lot of feelings and confusions when it came to God. I never felt heard, and I had felt as though maybe God wasn't. After attending Discovery, the first two times, it ended in tears. But there was something that was still bringing me back to Discovery. Uh, At one point in the spring of 2020, David and Julia had their own small group. I decided to sign up for their small group. Hey, shout out small groups. Sign up. Hey. Get in the group. (laughs) Uh, I decided to sign up for their small group with my boyfriend. that second week of meeting in a snub, I was a ball of tears by the end of it. I was taken under Julia's Julia's wing and introduced to Janice. And from there, I continued wanting to know more. The pastors and team at Discovery were always willing to help me understand the Bible or to help me guide in ways that I didn't think about. Here I am a year later, still trying to crawl with my walk with God. The pastors and the people of Discovery were continuously helping to guide me. I have confidence that my relationship with God will continue to grow throughout time. Come on. This is from Nancy. Nancy started when we were online. (laughs) She, She started, she joined us online. Like, that's amazing. She said this, being new to the area, I knew finding a place of worship was important to me. I first reached out to Judy last spring, and she welcomed me with open arms. She immediately called me and wanted to know more about my journey. Though COVID-19 put a damper on my full church experience, I decided to trust the Lord and attend a few events last summer. Since then, I have enjoyed every event I have attended. Though I have yet to meet and get to know many church members, I am excited to do so. I would say my favorite experience thus far have been small groups, homeless outreach, and church outdoors. During a small group meeting, Judy shared Luke 4, 18 through 19, which reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Come on, somebody. Because he, he has anointed me to preach liberty to the captives and recovering um, of the blind, to see, to set a liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Since that meeting, I have kept this passage in a visible location on my desk because it helped me remember what I'm working towards, especially in 2021. There's so much wisdom when you sit and read the Bible, and I'm always encouraged to read when I see trinkets of reminders of how far I've come in my own faith, journey. The wide range of diverse people I have been able to meet in the fearless love of God I have witnessed through them fuels me to want to learn more. I cannot wait to start small groups for this upcoming season, and I look forward to continuing my growth alongside an incredible group of people. Thank you, Discovery. This is from Ryan. Ryan's actually here this morning. What's up, man? He said, I was introduced to the community in 2016 through a cherished family friend of mine. That moment was a turning point for my life. A small decision to embrace faith with others that share a common thought process would launch me, would then launch my life into the next stage of life. The community, support, and love given to me was clung to me like glue. Discovery has shown itself to accept my ways, others, and even the ways of our now near virtual, virtual world with ease. When I was younger, I always hoped for things. I hoped for a new toy. I hoped to pass the next exam. I hoped for positive outcomes. Discovery introduced the idea of faith into my life. Instead of hoping, discovery gave me the power to embrace my faith. That faith being a driving force behind everything I hoped for prior. I fully plan on retaining my faith. I realized I had been with, within me all this time with the guidance and support of Discovery. Discovery has truly given me the opportunity to discover myself. Come on, aren't these good? <laughs> Can I read one more? Is that okay? Can I read one more? Listen, this is what we're a part of, guys. This is what we're doing. This is why we exist. This is from Larissa. In 2018, I was at the lowest point of my life. I lost my very best friend, my mother, to cancer. I felt so alone and depressed. I didn't think I would make it out of it. My best friend invited me to her mom's church at Discovery. I had been so ma- I had been to so many different churches, and I left more confused than I was before I walked in. I was finally at the end of my rope, and I decided. I have to give something a try. So I attended my first service at Discovery in November, 2018. The first service changed my life. I returned every week after that, so hungry to learn more and to build a close relationship with God. Pastor John made it so easy to understand. That was my struggle with other churches. I can never understand or stay on track. From the first time I heard Pastor John preach, I knew I found my home, my discovery. Not only did I find my church that would teach me the word, but I met amazing people who made me feel so welcomed and loved. After a few months of attending, I was asked to join the dream team, which included greeting. That was definitely out of my comfort zone. Not only has discovery helped me face a lot of fears, But it has definitely been a big part of the relationship that I have with Jesus. 2020 has also been a rough year, but because of my faith in God, I got through it. Come on, somebody. I thank God for leading me to discovery because it has definitely played a huge part in my journey with Jesus. Come on, guys. Hey, we are building something here. We are building something for generations to come. We're building something so that people on the outside of these four walls can come and encounter and experience the love of Jesus who brings hope, who brings peace, who brings joy. And I'm asking you this morning, will you help us rebuild For those that are online, I'm asking you. As you heard the stories... Will you help us rebuild? Is the call greater than the comfort? I think it is. We've never been a church that forces anything, so. But I will say this, there comes a time when you do have to step out of your comfort. But Holy Spirit will do and speak and work in your heart and your mind as, as you continue to figure out what He wants you to do. God, and I'm closing, God is in the business of restoration. God is in the business of restoration. But restoration is a partnership between you and God. Thank you for listening to Message Rewind. Come back every Monday night at 5 p.m. to hear the latest message from Discovery Church.